Welcome to Four Points Online. We are so honored that you're with us here today. And if God has used this ministry to change your life, we want to hear about it. So go to fourpoints.org slash mystory and tell us. You know what, it's because of your generosity that we are able to expand the kingdom. If you want to give and be a part of what God's doing here at Four Points, go to our website and choose the safe and secure option. Or you can download our app and give there as well. And now we are so excited about hearing a powerful word from God today. I'm excited um, about today. It's been a hard week. If you were here for the first service last week, we kind of had a weird start to the service because our bass player had to run off really quick off the stage. Like minutes before we were about to start, he got a text message. His wife was going um, to be taken into an emergency C-section. And yes, last Sunday was a really hard day. We were all kind of numb from it. Um, we were excited for him, honestly, during this time. And uh, their baby, Reagan, was born the exact amount of time that, um, that my daughter was born early. And so with today's technology, you don't think things are going to go bad. But the reality is uh, her lungs were developed at 18 weeks, not 33 weeks. And early in the afternoon last Sunday, she passed away, and it was, uh, it was awful. It was awful. I mean, there, there's some great words that we can say, and certainly we trust the Lord. Like, that hasn't stopped. But the reality of the matter is our week started heavy, and we kind of just looked around. And you think to yourself sometimes in situations like that, how in the world is this the Lord's plan? And some of y'all have been through stuff that is far heavier than what I can even comprehend. And we look around and we say, how can this be part of the Lord's plan? And then on Tuesday, I don't know if y'all were in a hole or not, but if you were not in a cave and not in a hole, there was an election that took place. And if you have social media, if you don't, let me just encourage you. If I've ever encouraged this before, don't ever get it, somebody. Come on. Golly. Because it was the saddest week I've ever seen when it comes to social media because there was so much hate. But... If you look around in this room, the reality of the matter is there's a lot of people that didn't vote like you, and that excites me so much, y'all. That makes me so excited because if we were a white church or if we were a black church or if we were certain things, Hispanic church only, if we were, if we were only for one agenda, then we might have all voted the same. But I'm honored and I'm excited to pastor a group of people that voted different than me and voted the same as me and that can stand here and listen and not be for one agenda but I want you to know something. I've been so burdened, so heavy, heavy burdened this week because I've realized that God wanted this message for right now. And so in review, legacy, specifically is our heritage and our inheritance, what we leave and also what we receive. And it comes with a heavy price, y'all. The fact that we have an inheritance means that we have to carry it well and leave it for the next generation. And this is the title of today's message, but I'm going to do it with a passage in Deuteronomy chapter 22. And I don't want you to turn there because it's only one, but this kind of titles today's message. It says, you shall not sow your vineyard with two different kinds of seed, with two kinds of seed. Everybody say two. Lest the whole yield be forfeited. The crop that you have sown and the yield of the vineyard. I, the title of today's message is Choose Your Seed. And this is what I need you guys to know is that we're living in a time that is so evidently divisive. 
like if you're my age, I'm 36 years old, I was born in 1980, and even if you were born in the 70s, you probably never experienced a divisive time quite like today. And the reality is that the darkness is spreading, and I'm not talking about one side or another side, and I see, I think that's where the problem starts, is we think, well, if they would have just voted like me, then they would understand what side you should be on. That was never your side. That was, I don't care who you voted for. That was not the side that really matters in the grand scheme of things. Light does not care, elephant or donkey, does somebody understand what I'm talking about? And so, so we get so caught up. Listen, if I could get God's people to rally behind his agenda like they rallied behind one side and another this week, then we would make an impact on this world. It is amazing how excited people were and how devastated people were this week. And, and it's not going away. If anything, it's going to get worse. And then this is what we do, y'all. I'm going to get ahead of myself, but I've got to. We look out at big cities right now. Can I talk to the white people for a second? We look out to the big cities right now and we say, how dare they protest? We didn't protest when they were four years ago and eight years ago. We didn't do that. And we begin to judge people based on what we believe that they should feel because of what we feel. And we haven't taken into consideration life experiences, or anything else that could possibly take place. And as a result, we begin to sow seed in the vineyard that God called us to that we believe should look like and sound like and act like just like us. But it has no kingdom agenda whatsoever. The agenda that it has is I need you to operate and behave. Everybody say behave. That's what we want for the world to do is behave. Did you know I've never seen Jesus say the word behave? I've read the Bible a few times. I've read it through a few times. I've seen the kingdom message a few times now. It's popping up everything that I read, and I'm seeing it from Genesis to Revelation, and I've never seen Jesus say, you should behave this way. And if you don't behave this way, then you're not a follower of mine. What he said is, these are the things that are evidences, the fruits of what it looks like to follow Jesus. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are not behaviors. Those are results of what has happened inside of me. So if I try to fix what's on the outside and the inside's wrong, I begin to sow seed in a field that I was called to that is not the proper seed that I've been called to. And as a result, I look crazy. Did you know that the world out there sees us and they think that we are nuts, we are psycho, because we are fighting amongst ourselves? There are bombs bursting in air, but today the bombs that I'm concerned with are not the bombs of them out there who don't know Christ. It's the ones in here who do know Christ. It's the people arguing over the, the same stuff that in, in the grand scheme of things, yes, your taxes might go up, and yes, your taxes might go down with certain candidates. Yes, they may put good political people in good places, and they may do things that you get excited about. And yes, you can vote for whoever you want to and have an opinion. I could care less what your opinion is on. On that. But what I really care about is this. The world is not seeing unity in the body of Christ. They're seeing divisiveness more than they've ever seen it before. Why? Because we're sowing seed that is totally different in the same field that God's called us to. And I want to show you two passages today. The first one is in Matthew 13. The next one will be in Matthew 21. And if you grew up in church, you probably heard the wheat and tares message growing up and it was lost or saved. That's how I heard it. That's how I was always taught it. As a matter of fact, when I was at North Greenville, y'all, 
I went to my pastor that I was working for at Bethlehem Baptist Church with tears in my eyes because there were pastors that were getting saved. And I was like, how is this even possible? I believe that that message has been misrepresented so bad because I believe this message The wheat and the weeds are specifically for us in this house. If you don't know Jesus today, I'm so pumped up that you're here. I'm so excited. But what I'm about to say is for Christians, so hang in there with me because the end is going to be real good and it's going to be for you. But I believe this message is 100% for Christians, and this is why. It says he put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed. Everybody say good seed. In a field or in his field. That's one type of seed, y'all. But while we were doing what God has called us to do and began to sow seed, while men were, were sleeping and while we rest, and I'm just telling you today, that's a word and I could stop right there. The church is asleep at the wheel. We believe that we've done good and then we go to sleep and we rest on our laurels and God never called us to rest on our laurels. He called us to rest in Him. Now someone needs to talk to me because that's a good word. His enemy came. Did you know that 46%, I heard this this week, 46% of Christians believe that the devil is is a figment of imagination and he's just just a picture. 46% of evangelical Christians believe the devil's not real. I must be living in a different world than those 46% is. Somebody talk to me in here. Because I got news for those people. The devil is real. And the enemy is real, and his third of the angels that Revelation says fell with him are real, and they are fighting and fighting and fighting, but he's smart. He's coy. He doesn't come out with a pitchfork like we think, and he's just crazy, and he's shooting fireballs at us. He's battling your mind all the time, and he's just trying to get just a little bit, a little bit, a little bit inside of you so that you'll remember things from your past, so that you'll start calling things up that you used to be, so that you'll start remembering what Jesus chooses not to remember, and as a result, I operate how I should not be operating, and my anger starts popping up. I'm like, how did I get there? What just happened? It's because the seed that I used to be is what Satan wants to remind me of and tell me that I still am. What you've seen all week is the wrong kind of seed. And this is the kind of seed that it is. His enemy started sowing weeds among them. And among the weeds, weeds starts popping up. Can I tell you about weeds real quick? I got a lot to preach and it's good, so y'all just stay with me. Here's the challenge about weeds. Did you know there's some really pretty weeds out there? Like, y'all have been driving down the road before, and y'all have seen flowers. Those are the prettiest flowers. They weeds. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> they didn't plant them. They just grew, and they're like, well, those are pretty. We're just going to leave them. But they'll kill you. If you try to eat the fruit from a weed, <laughs> you gone, right? I think this is the challenge to weeds. We live in a society that is so performance-based that we want to see the results right now. Are y'all with me? And so weeds are pretty sexy because they pop up so fast and they produce so fast and they have flowers so fast and they have fruit that pops up so fast that I begin to wish that I could have that because I can't get what I really want as fast as I want it because I live in Burger King Jesus, my way right away at Jesus King now. If he can give me what I want right now, I'm all about it. But if not, I'm going to look for a different kind of seed because it comes fast and it goes quick. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 4, was tempted, and I believe he was tempted heavier and harder than any of us ever will be, because he had not eaten 
or drinking anything but water for 40 days. I've done a 40-day fast before, but let me tell you all something right now. It did not include just water. Because... <laughs> I love water. As a matter of fact, I got my smart water here, so I'm a little smarter than I normally am. Somebody talk to me and say, hey, man. Mm. But if all I had was this for 40 days, huh? if someone came up and said, if you throw that bread on the ground, it's gonna, or if you throw that rock on the ground, it's going to turn to bread, I would think about it. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Could eat some of that bread. But this is what he offered, and I've always found it fascinating at the end. If you just bow down before me, that entire field that you see, everything that your eye sees will be yours. That's the field that we're going to look at in just a second. I believe that we have misrepresented what the fruit is that God's called us to. And we think it's this. We think it's success. And so we battle people and we kill people over success. And the fruit of the Spirit is what he's called us to. God, will, God has promised us an increase, but you're not the God of the increase He's given you the seed and his word and your money and your life is the seed and the reproduction that should happen as a result of his blood that was shed for you and the redemption that happened inside of you is the fruit of the Spirit. But we are producing fruits that are not of him. And we say to ourselves, why don't they start acting like me? And we begin to have agendas pop up. And then we say, how did I get in this place? It's because the enemy comes and sows seed anytime you're faithful. And if we can't see the agenda of the enemy, then we will start lining up with the enemy and say, what's wrong with them when it's actually a what's wrong? with me. If I'm not preaching good in here, y'all just stay quiet, but I'm going to keep preaching to myself. Come on, pastor. So when the plants came up and bore grain, the weeds came up also. And the servant of the master of the house came up and said, master, that's the Lord. We sowed the good seed and there's stuff happening. Shouldn't we cut down everything else? Shouldn't we get rid of the weeds? Maybe this is just me in here, but I'm betting it's not. I want the Lord a lot of times to just cut it out. And this is where I believe that I live in sin as much as anything else is when lies are beginning to happen and when things are not the way that I want them to be, I want to reveal the weeds. I want to point out everybody else's faults and show them why they're wrong. I want to make sure that the world knows that I'm right and that you're wrong. And that is not what the master called here. It's amazing to me that that is not at all what the master called. He said, let the weeds grow up. In the end, the truth will come out. The truth will come out. The truth will come out in the final judgment after the white throne judgment. And y'all can look this up for yourself, but it's called the Bema seat. And that's for the Christians in the room. The Bible says that we'll be judged for how we live our lives. But I think we think that's just behavior but that's the fruit that we've produced. The gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble is what Paul tells us and teaches us about this. I think that this is exactly what this is. I think so many people have said lost or saved, but that's not it at all. Because when fire hits wood, hay, and stubble, it's gone. But when fire hits the reproduction that God called us to because you were made in his image, it illuminates and I look more and more and more like him. Not because I try harder, not because I read my Bible more, not because I start doing all the things and start making myself feel good, but I remember who bought me with a price. I remember where I come from and it changes everything in my life. Come on, somebody. And he said to them, an enemy does this. So the servant said to him, what you want us to do? Gather them up? And he said, no, let's, if you kill the weeds, you're going to kill the good stuff too. Don't root them up. And then he said, 
Let them both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, tell the reapers, gather the weeds and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn because that is the reproduction that will matter. The fruit that God has called us to is the reproduction that will matter. And this is what I think the challenge is. That wheat does not grow nearly as fast. It does not grow nearly as sexy. It takes time. It takes tilling. It takes watering. It takes tilling again. It takes more seed. And you see the junk in your life pop up and you say, I don't want to be these things anymore. I don't want to have this stuff pop up anymore. I'm done with this stuff. And I believe this is the church today, y'all. We just throw our hands up and say, well, I'm done then because I can't win for losing. And so I'm done. And so I'll start throwing bombs at people that don't look like me. And we operate out of sickness. We operate from weeds. And I'm telling you today, we've got to decide for ourselves, which, weed, which seed am I actually following? Am I, am I, am I reproducing weeds? Or do I look sound? Am I the fragrance of Jesus Christ? Because I can assure you that the government is on his shoulders. And he was called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And this is where it's going to get good, y'all. I just had to give y'all the appetizer to get to this part and ask, why do we keep having these weeds? Because I need you to know that it's not about how much you know, how much you study, or everything else. But it's about what you haven't let go in your life. I'm going to repeat that because I think five people heard what I said. It's not about how much you know. I'm going to just say it. Might as well. Have y'all ever seen, I'm being serious. Have y'all ever seen a conversation about politics actually change someone's mind? Can I tell you that the only thing that will change your mind is if your heart is reached first? And so when we put out agendas to try to make sure that people behave the way that we want them to behave, what are we actually trying to accomplish? Are we trying to accomplish that someone should understand why I vote the way that I vote, why I live the way that I live, why I've ostracized an entire group of people just because they don't look, sound, act, vote, think like me, Or do I do it because it's a kingdom cause? Because if I don't do it because it's a kingdom cause, I'm building someone else's kingdom. And that kingdom is not the kingdom of light, the kingdom from our king. That is the kingdom of darkness. Because Jesus said in John chapter 8, oh, make no mistake, you serve your father too. He's the father of lies. He is full of deceit. And the word deceit is fascinating. I'm going to hit it again in a minute in in Matthew chapter 21. But I need y'all to know the word deceit is the same Greek word for double-minded. That James says you are double-minded and a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And so an unstable person, a person that is constantly up and down, a person that has spiritual vertigo that doesn't know they're off balance until they fall down, that person doesn't even realize how off balance they are until their words are actually death and they think that they're life because they're saying Jesus is name tagged in with their words. We need to get the name of Jesus out of our mouth until we have the seed in our heart because it is killing this society and killing the world and healing is not the goal. It is your behavior matching up with my behavior that's the goal. As long as that's the case, we are not trying to sow seed into the good kingdom and we've missed the whole point altogether and this is the point. I need y'all to shout with me in just a second because this part is the best part. Matthew 21. 
He says, here's another parable. There was a master. Everybody say master. That's the Lord. Of a house who planted a vineyard. And he put a fence around the vineyard and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and leased it to tenants. You are the tenants of the vineyard. Your world, the world that God has planted you in, the place that you are today, this world right here is the vineyard that God has placed us in. The vineyard is not yours. You are sharecroppers in God's vineyard. This entire world is his. The world is the Lord's and everything in it. We are not the owners of the, of the world, but we are sharecroppers and God has given us authority if we operate in his name. However, God's plan is to constantly go into... God's plan is to constantly go into other countries and constantly spread and constantly go. But if we're not faithful in the country that we're in, and this country that I'm talking about is right here and right now, not America, but I'm talking the upstate where he's planted you. If we're not faithful here, we cannot beg God to spread our territory. We need to claim the territory that we're actually in. Now watch what happens in this story. When the season for fruit drew near and the sharecroppers were doing their thing in the fields, in the place where God called them to be, he sent his servants to the tenants. I'm going to get a little bit deep, but y'all just stay with me. I believe that his servants could be a number of things. It could be God's people that, that have a voice that are calling out. Repent, the kingdom is at hand. And the reapers that God calls out to bring a harvest back. And the ones that God has planted in the field for that time, the tenants, our responsibility is to give back our fruits. Listen, it says, and the tenants took the servants that God called. I need y'all to get this. And they beat one and killed another and stoned another. If this week, just based on my observation, you disagreed with someone who may or may not have been a kingdom voice, but did disagree with you and where you are in your life. What I watched is killed one, stoned another, and beat another. And it may have just been words, but Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21 says, life and death is in the power of the tongue, and those who love it eat its fruit. I watched people beat one, kill another, and stone another. I watched it this week. Did you know that every time that you see Pharisees in the Bible, it's fascinating because we see them pick up stones? Like those are the guys that want to stone everybody because we're the religious right. We think that if you don't behave the way that I want you to behave, that it's my job to fix you. But we don't look at them and say they are, they are a people. This is a nation that needs healing, not fixing behavior. You can put millions of dollars in the inner city, and that's what we've done. And we've said, if you just vote this way or I give you a political agenda, then we will fix the cities. The cities don't need fixing from money or behavior. They need healing from past. They need healing from hurt. They need healing from things that are generation and generation and generation old. And I need you to know this. One of, one of Satan's greatest ploys in the way that he has tricked us <sighs> is to believe that if I just try a little bit harder that I can fix the ugly that's down in my life. And I believe this about men more than I believe this about women. But I believe this about all of us, truth be told. As we compartmentalize things, men, I'm going to talk to you. And ladies, I need you to slap your husband and say he's telling the truth. 
Because we don't want to show emotion. Jesus' name. I'm going to get really personal today. God has shown me some things in my life. And he's spoken to me for weeks, to be honest with you, probably months, about what it's going to take for us to move to the next level as a church. The unfortunate truth that I have to admit to y'all is a lot of it starts in my personal life. And I've tried to argue with them. <laughs> that works really well if y'all don't know that. And tell him, I'm good. Have y'all ever said that? Like people know in your life that you're not good and you tell them that you're good? Like why do we do that? And I operate so much out of beating and killing and stoning, all the while talking myself into believing that I'm not doing that at all. Because I want you to think or move or operate like me. And God is so honored and overwhelmed by the differences that we have. I want you to know that I'm educated enough that I could make such a great argument to you today that I believe I could move some of you to vote and believe like me on both sides of the aisle. But that is an agenda, and that is not the kingdom's message. And the reason that I'm struggling and very thankful for what God is doing, it is a train wreck inside of my belly. I need y'all to know that. It's because I've looked at people that I've poured into for months and years, and they leave. And I'm not talking about an average church person even. I'm talking about staff. I'm talking about family. And I realized back that I'm operating from some things that hurt me when I was a kid. I'm not going to get detailed, but I'm just telling you, God wants to heal the brokenhearted and bind up all the wounds, not fix your behavior. And as long as I try to keep fixing behavior, in the ugliest of times, men, I'm talking to you right now. In the ugliest of times, <clears throat> I find myself saying things to my wife that for a million dollars I wouldn't say otherwise. But when pressure gets put to pipes, the truth of what's in that pipe is going to come out. And when pressure comes on your life, it's when the difficulty comes. It's when the hardships come. It's when all of the things that are real come out. That is what people really think. The devastation of this week is I can look at you and say that I love you, but what is really inside comes out when the hardships come. And I have not loved everything about me. There's a lot of things that I'm not proud of, but there's a lot of things that I'm grateful for because God is working all things out in me. Because the enemy's goal is that you believe the seed that you used to be is your reality. And as long as it stays in my reality, I need you to know that when Jesus saved you, he saved you once for all time. And he looks at you as a result as perfected in Christ. But that does not mean that I have received true healing in my soul. It means that I've been saved 
in my soul. But healing comes, as Paul said, we work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. That, that sanctification is a process, and I know that's a big word, but it's a process that we work through in our faith. And we begin to allow men and women that are older than us, that are wiser than us in the faith, to speak into our lives and say, can I tell you some things that I see? But since we have all the answers, and since we have everything together, or at least in the church, we have to make people believe that we have all the answers. We can't look out and say, I operate out of fear. I operate out of, out of hurt. I operate out of neglect. And as a result, out of shame. And the, and the details for shame, when I preach it to you in two weeks, are devastating. And listen to me, there's not one person in this room that doesn't have some kind of ugly come up. Because this is the problem, y'all. If I don't have ugly addictions in my life, and I can look at you and say, I see your ugly addictions. I know what you're addicted to. I know that you either do this or do this or do this. But I work 68 hours every single week, maybe, maybe 100 hours every single week, and I have to find my solace in that. Or I find it in anything but Christ. Satan has tricked me to believing that if I win or if I do this, that that is the true victory. And the only true victory happened when Jesus took on sin, death, and the grave. Took on your shame and got up from the grave three days later. He said it's finished. And what he meant was it's finished in you when you receive him. But you have to receive that. This world does not need my agenda. This world needs true healing. And that only comes through the person of Jesus Christ. But the problem is, as a tenant, I beat one, kill another, and stone another. And again, he sent out his servants, more than the first, and did the same to them. And then finally, now this is the heavy part. Finally, the Lord sent his son and said, they'll respect him. I mean, this is the God of the universe that's going to take on a skin body. They're going to respect him, right? I mean, they've got to. When he, when he speaks, he's going to have so much authority. Things are going to move. When he touches things, they're going to be healed. He's going to have my spirit in me before everyone else can. They're going to know him. But when the tenant saw the son, this is, this is where we are, y'all. They said to themselves, this is the true heir. He wants to take my joy and my fun and my life. He wants to take all of that stuff that I have that I get to do. He wants to take this away from me. Come let us kill him and have his inheritance. Let our legacy be the fact that we didn't let the guy that owns the vineyard have his fruit because we got to keep it all for ourselves. And some of us who live in denial think to ourselves, well, that's, that's the Jewish people back in the day. That's not us. But I need you to know that if that was us, who were living 2,000 years ago, we would have operated in the very same way. And do you know why that I know that? Because I look out and I see that we're operating in that very same way today. We've got the wrong seed. Verse 39 says, And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. This is something really interesting. It says at the beginning of the story that there was that there was a fence around it and in the old city of Jerusalem when you see where Jesus was killed so that it could be legal they took Jesus just outside of the old city I'm talking like one side of our church to the other outside of the old city and they killed him and they killed him and when therefore the owner of the vineyard comes when the Lord comes what will he do to those tenants and they said to him he will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give 
him the fruits in their season who will have a legacy that is the world is the Lord's and everything in it and I am so honored to be able to do the little things that I do but my success is not based on how big how powerful how awesome my success is not based on your success that if you're my age and you're doing more than I'm doing, God has called me to my specific place, to my specific purpose, and that is it. That when I judge people and wish that I was where they are, that I'm actually sowing the wrong seed because I'm missing the point and I need to celebrate where they are and go where God's called me. And I need to be faithful if it's tiny or if it's bigger or if it's growing or whatever it is. This is the Lord's and everything in it. And we are sharecroppers in his field. And he's just called us to be faithful with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He said this, not me. This is how the world's going to know you're my disciples if you love one another. This is my question to the world today, but I'm speaking it to you. How are they going to know based on what I've seen this week? How are they going to know? We're so worried about the silliest things. I'm preaching to me if I'm not preaching to y'all. And we operate from these deep hurts that we've never allowed anyone to have access to. And we think that we've covered them up and we say, I'm good, but we're not good. We're broken people. And as a result, we're breaking people. We're killing everybody that God's called us to. And until we receive the true oil from the Lord that heals and the blood that was shed for us touches the deepest parts of our soul, listen, every day, not for salvation, that happens one time and praise God for that. But each morning that I wake up and I begin to operate in my own power, I look around and go, why aren't they doing what I want them to do? Instead of God help them, they're hurting. What should I do? And Jesus said to them, have you never read the scripture that the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruit, given to a people that don't believe that Jesus is just one of the stones, but he is the stone, given to the people that know that on this rock we will build his church because this rock is Jesus, not Mark, not an awesome worship team, not all of y'all who we love so much, but we are not the rocks, y'all. We're the pebbles in the whole thing, and we're just people in the field, and we're going to take his seed, and we're going to sow it faithfully. But this is what I need y'all to know of where the healing comes from. Our legacy will be determined which seed that we sow. And this world doesn't need our opinion. They need the master's love for healing. I want to explain to y'all how the healing takes place. Because throughout this week, what I've heard the Lord say is, the wine of the vineyard, the wine of the vineyard. At the beginning of that passage, it says that a wine press was made and a tower was built. The tower is to look out and see the enemy coming. And he protects us. He is our shield and our refuge. He is our strength. He prepares a table before us that is a field with a, with a fence around it in the presence of our enemy. I promise you the enemy's coming, and I promise you this, that, that the name of Jesus crushes the head of the snake, that he cannot have me, that he may raise up weapons against me, but he can't have me. And this is what I want you to know about the wine that is made in that field. And my gosh, this is our purpose. This is your purpose. I don't care where you come from, how awful your background is. I don't care if you know Jesus or not. You will in just a minute in Jesus' name. I believe that. But this is what I want you to know is your purpose is the wine. The stuff that's actually made in his field, the representation of forgiveness is the wine. Jesus said when 
when he was telling them about taking the cup for the very first time, he says, every time you take this cup from now on, you do this in remembrance of me. In Matthew chapter 9 and Mark chapter 2, Jesus said this. Why are you trying to put new wine in your old wine skins? You know what they would try to do? They had these big skins that they would put wine into and they would put patches on them to try to make it look like it was okay. But when the new wine would hit the old wine skins, it would burst out and they would spill wine everywhere and they would waste the absolutely precious wine that was being poured into those wine skins. Can I tell you that that's the church today? That we're putting the wine of the Lord Jesus, the forgiveness and the grace and the love and the mercy that he has poured on us and that we get to pour on others by, by being faithful with his fruit. And we're taking his, his, his beautiful wine that we have inside of us that we get to pour out on other people, but when pressure comes, it busts out. Why? Because we put his good stuff in our religious ways. Religiousness is old wineskins. If we keep doing the things that we've been doing because we say, well, we've always done it that way. Let me tell you what's happening. The wine is spilling everywhere and the blood of Jesus is being wasted. But this is Jesus. The first miracle he ever did was he took water to wine. He turned water into wine in John chapter 2 and, and they said to him, the, the, the person over the wedding said, why in the world would you bring the best wine for last? Why would you do that? Can I tell you that I believe we're living in the last days? Just look out. And Jesus is ready to give the best wine last. But, but the ones that are going to give the best wine last is you. And he's waiting on you. He's waiting on you. He's waiting on you to bring his best wine to the wedding party. Because there are millions and millions and millions of people there. And there's hundreds and dozens and even ones all around us. Your neighbor, your friend, your coworker that you're afraid. We can't talk about religion. I don't want you to talk about religion. I want you to talk about Jesus who's changed your life. And what I'm asking you today is put down the old wineskin and pick up what he's given you. And that is grace and hope and love in the name of Jesus. And here's how Peter described it. In 1 Peter chapter 2 he said, This is about Jesus committed no sin and no deceit, no double-mindedness. No unstableness was ever on his lips. There was only one seed that was ever in him. And this was the seed. He was reviled, but did not revile back. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. That's the Lord. We so want to be right in the world's eyes that we put out stuff that was never ours to put out, but God kept his mouth shut. Now, he spoke the truth. And anytime religion came around, he rebuked the religion. But that is the new wineskin, everybody. It's Jesus. And he himself bore our sins in his body on a tree, taking on sin, death, and the grave, that we might die to sin and shame and our past and the ugly, all down deep in us that we've never allowed the Lord to have. And we keep saying, how does this junk keep popping up? It's because you got saved, but he never completely healed what's inside. And that happens in a process because the weeds come up fast, but the fruit takes time, but it is worth it and it is beautiful. And he wants us to live in his righteousness. The heart of a man decides and knows his ways. We know what we want to be. 
but the Lord establishes my steps. By his wounds you have been, everybody say the word, healed. I believe there's a lot of y'all with really open wounds today. Like I think if you could just be honest with yourself where you are in your life right now, you would realize that when you operate, when you speak, when you talk, that the ugly that comes out can't be the love of Christ. So many people have told you, well, then you're not saved. Can I tell you something? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, I believe with all my heart you are saved. But you're spilling the new wine, trying to do it your old way. The only way to receive healing, this is what James chapter 5 says, is confess your sins one to another. The prayer of a righteous man has healing anointing. And I love when people get healed from cancer and healed from diseases, but the most powerful healing in the world is when down deep in your soul that you've never been willing to deal with gets healed. And I believe in this house today, there's plenty of people that need that healing. And there's plenty of people that need the grace of the Lord Jesus to save them for the first time. Friend, if you came in here far from God and you did not know where your destiny was, I'm here to excitedly tell you that today is the day of salvation and this message is for you. That all you have to do is confess and then believe that he is Lord. That he is not one of the people in your life, but he is the owner of the, of the whole vineyard. And the point is the vineyard, y'all. That's our point is to establish his vineyard to this world to show them who's the owner of it and say, Jesus, I will follow you. Jesus, today, I just pray that in the next few minutes when we leave, we will not leave here the same and say, I like that, which seed are you going to sow? But the legacy we leave is a people that begin to heal and come together in unity. But that won't happen just by putting our minds to it. Our hearts have to be freed first. And so, God, you do it again and do what you do. Today, if you don't know Jesus, I just want you to respond by saying, Pastor, that's me and I want to be saved right now. I want you to throw your hand up all over the room. If you don't want to do that, we love you with the love of the Lord, but we are not going to manipulate you or intimidate you. But I need you to know it's the greatest decision of your life. Because you may have come in here on the way to hell and you may leave on the way to heaven. And it is the single greatest thing you can ever do in your life is to be set free from your sin and have life in Jesus' name. Is there anybody in here that would say, Pastor, that's me, man. I need to be saved right now. I need to be saved right now. Just throw your hand up wherever you are and say, that's me. That's me. That's me. While our worship team's singing, I want y'all to have an opportunity to respond today. If no one does, so be it. I'm just being obedient to the Lord. But we're going to make the front of this an altar. And if you know that there's things in your life that you need healing from, I just want you to come up and pray. And some of our teams are going to pray over you and pray with you. We're going to join you up here and pray with you. But if you would say, Pastor, when the world sees me, they see some ugly things. And it's from things that I've never let the Lord have because I've tried to cover them. But I'm sowing the wrong seed in the wrong field. I'm not asking you to fix your behavior. I'm asking you to let the Lord have your past and your ugly and your shame. If you want to have true healing that takes place only from the Lord, I'm just asking you to move today. Not sit where you are, but get up and move. 
And you can do that right now. Jesus, we love you. And I thank you for an amazing day. And God, I believe healing is taking place in this room right now. And I ask you to do what only you can do. And that's you bind up the hurting and heal up all of our wounds. By your stripes, we are healed, Lord. And we receive it and we trust you and we pray that down in the ugliest, deepest parts of our lives that we're embarrassed to let anyone see, that we don't try to fix fruit, but we get down to the root and let you have it all. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. If that's you, you come right now.